What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Uh-oh, here comes trouble. Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid. Kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted. Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen. Dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge, and sharing some wisdom. Going down that rough road only makes you tougher. It's a beautiful struggle, sometimes we suffer. Let the people know you aren't in this alone. This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone. No fakeness here, this as real as it gets. Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct. Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe. The idea's real simple, there's no secret code. Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy. Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity. Whatever little part of this planet you live in, these tales from the hard side are now transmitting. Transmitting. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 282 of Tales from the Hard Side podcast. I'm Izzy Rock. This is my podcast I've been releasing since 2012. I have been keeping an audio blog, audio diary, whatever you want to call it, podcast. Let's call it a podcast since 2012. Um, And I want to thank you for listening, checking out the podcast. Please go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you dig it. Uh, I'm going to just recap my week and then get into this podcast, The Kid Whisperer himself. So I'm going to uh, put the first two Kid Whisperer podcasts on this podcast. And you guys check that out. He's an educator. He'll, He'll tell you all about himself after I get done telling you about my week. So this dude, but he he is an educator. He is a good dude. And we started doing a podcast called Ask the Kid Whisperer. And yeah, check it out. So anyway, this past week, this week of July, the end of July, my goodness, tomorrow is going to be August 1st. This month, my son Christian turns 18. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, turns 18, 18. Anyway, so this past week was filled with festival recovery. I went to Miami Valley Music Fest last weekend and kind of recovering from that where you put away your stuff as the week goes on. And because I had to take down lights and things like that in my studio slash recording area slash garage, um, I had to put all that stuff back up, so it took me a few days to really get moving on that. But in that time, when I found the time to do it, I finished Bloodline. And I will tell you, Bloodline on Netflix, it has 
three seasons, and my, my wife and I, we don't like starting new shows before we finish finish a show that we watched together. And Bloodline was a show that we watched together, and I enjoyed it throughout the series. It got a little anxious, made me feel anxious for the family, because you're living through this hell that these people have put themselves through, and by the time they got to the end of season three, and it's canceled now, but by the time they got to the end of season three, the last two episodes just did not work for me. Um, yeah, it basically ruined the series for me. Uh, although it was good, I would say watch it, but man, those last two episodes are sketchy as hell. I'm not sure how I feel about them. Don't like them, really. I mean, if I'm honest, um, I'll say they sucked. I also watched X-Men Apocalypse finally. Uh, for some reason, I hadn't watched that since now or before now. And so I was up watching Game of Thrones last night. This week's Game of Thrones. Holy shit. So good. That is such a good show. You know, I know everybody, a lot of people out there are watching it. And it's, uh, it, you know, you know what it's all about. You know the whole story behind it. But I want to tell you, if you want to get in, more in depth with the show and you want to check it out, because I'm a casual fan. I haven't read any of the books or anything like that. But David Chen puts out a podcast called A Cast of Kings, a Game of Thrones pod Game of Thrones podcast. And David Chen has a podcast called Slash Filmcast. So go check those out. Uh Cast of Kings is great if you want to get more in depth with um with uh you know Game of Thrones. So yeah. So let's see here. All right. I think it's Cast of Kings. Let me see. let me make sure. Yes, that is the podcast. A Cast of Kings. Um but once we finished blood or once I finished watching Game of Thrones last night, I watched X-Men Apocalypse and I would love for Fox to give that series back to Marvel or give it to Marvel and Marvel do something with it. Those characters need to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They need to be there. There, and I I just think that Marvel Studios would do it better. Um, but start watching Ozark. This is a show that Jason Bateman has um, directed. He's star starring in it. And holy shit! Wow, it's like Breaking Bad if it started in episode four, season one, and it's crazy. It's a crazy show. I like it. Uh, I've watched two episodes so far, and I like it quite a bit. Um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that came out of Comic-Con. I saw the new, you know, Avengers Infinity War trailer. Blown away by that. Justice League trailer. I, I was blown away by that. I think Aquaman is going to steal the show on that. But we'll see. Uh, I won't, th this past, this past week, sorry, I haven't been up that long today. <laughs> and this weekend was filled with going to the grocery and running errands, getting things clean, getting things put away, um, and just relaxing really. 
finding moments to actually sit down and watch TV. And um, my son Christian drove to Kings Island, which is an amusement park in Cincinnati, northern Cincinnati. And he drove there with my youngest son, who's 14. And Christian took three of his friends with him. And Zach took one of his friends. And they went to Kings Island on a Sunday afternoon around 4.30 because they got gold passes. And then they didn't get back until late last night, like super late last night, because they stayed for the fireworks. And then they went to the wa- went to Waffle House to eat. And Zach is now working on a farm. He started working on a farm uh, to make extra money. So in the morning, he works in the farm, gets picked up. Then he goes to football practice, and this week he starts two-a-days, and they happen to be in the evening, and so he's going to work from 7.30 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon, go to two-days from 4 in the afternoon until 8 p.m. That's work ethic, and kid doesn't complain about it either because he knows he's going to get paid at the end of the season. He's detasseling corn. <laughs> detasseling corn. So... He's a hard worker, and uh, on the other hand, Zach, or Christian, he overslept on Friday and was late for work. I woke up in the afternoon, he was still in bed. I'm like, you're supposed to be at work, dude. What's going on? He's like, oh no, what's... So he was like two hours late, and they told him, don't worry about coming in. He makes sandwiches for for his job, but they only give him a couple days a week, which sucks. He's going to be a senior this year. They start school... Coming up this month, Christian starts his senior year, which I'm I'm not too hard on him about getting, you know, another job. I'd like for him to get a job to make some money, but he I also want him to enjoy his last summer before he's out of school, out of high school at least. So, yeah, those those two are working hard. Uh, but on Saturday, I woke up. And my, my wife, Amy, said, Zach wants to have a family day together. And I, I was like, I'm down. Let's go. And so we made a trip out um, pro- on the other side of Dayton to a town called Kettering, which is in the same county that we live in. It's in Montgomery County. But we just took a road trip. We went and got ourselves some wine and coffee. My wife had a gift card. She's like, I got to use this up before the end of next month. You guys can all get something. And so I got me a sugar-free chai chai tea latte, something like, or chai tea. And it was delicious. And both of my boys got some sort of thing that looks like a milkshake. It was, it was a milkshake. I, they can call it whatever fancy thing they call it, but it's a milkshake. And then my wife got herself some coffee, uh, something and then, because Saturday is my cheat day, and there's my dogs, Saturday is my cheat day from the keto diet, and I am down another pound. I'm down from 227 pounds, to back on January 22nd, I was 227 pounds, and on, what's today's date? July, dun, 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 July 31st, Monday, July 31st, it's my uh, niece's birthday. Happy birthday, Mindy. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but happy birthday. Um, I'm down to 186 pounds. Woo-woo. But I have cheat days on Saturdays now. 
And um, I had, what did we have? I had nachos. So we went to the grocery. We went to Bill's Donuts, which is one of the best donut places in the country. It just is. It's in Centerville, Ohio. If you're in the Ohio area, you got to try Bill's Donuts. There's always a line. No matter if you go at 11.30 in the the evening or if you go in 2 in the afternoon, there's always a line. And so we had donuts and spent the day together, went to the grocery. Um, We stopped at a consignment store called Clash in downtown Dayton. And I was looking at some, some pretty, what they call vintage stuff. And I realized I could probably sell some of my t-shirts there and some of my old vans and things like that. I could probably consign that stuff there. Um, and then right after we did that, right after we went to the consignment store, we went to uh, a Goodwill and my son Zach found a shirt for $2 and 50 cents, a nice shirt a goodwill for two dollars and fifty cents right man you got to get the bargains when you can um so that was this past weekend um found out my buddy scott epic his mom linda passed away this past weekend i think we found out friday night friday or saturday um no friday night around 2 30 or saturday morning Found out she passed away, and uh, so I felt bad for him, man. So rest in peace, Linda. And, um, you know, my week was filled with checking out all the stuff going on with the health care. Uh, Republicans failed to pass health care to repeal and replace Obamacare. And old John McCain gave a no vote. Can you believe that? If you if you watch the video and you see him do the thumbs down and you see the frown that Mitch McConnell gets on his face when it happens, it's glorious. Uh, I watched Trump's administration continue to fall apart. He uh, he has a new communications director, Scaramucci. Boy, this guy is straight out of a Saturday Night Live skit. Like, I where do they get these guys? Where do they get these guys? This is, you know, that picture when people have Michael Jackson eating popcorn in his leather jacket. That's me at watching this administration, just sitting back and watching, going, "Let's." We're only a few months. We're only seven months in, and all this craziness, <laughs> all this craziness. Um, but anyway, Bucks are going to be on Hard Knocks. I think next week. And I'm pumped. Buccaneers on hard knocks. It's going to be a good good season. Um, I think they're going to do well this season. And we'll see. But anyway, let's get to this Kid Whisperer podcast. I know that was me rambling. That was me giving, just giving my week. What's going on with my week? And uh, now I'll take you to a gentleman who is an educator. He is a great guy. And i I'll put the first two episodes of Ask the Kid Whisperer podcast right here, right now. Hello, Kid Whisperer Nation, and welcome to the Kid Whisperer podcast. 
This is the one and only place to come if you want realistic advice on how to get kids to exhibit the behaviors they need to exhibit in order to be successful, have positive relationships, and avoid prison. This podcast is not about theory. This podcast is not about fluff. This is realistic advice that will allow you to be calm and assertive with kids no matter how old and no matter how obnoxious they are. This podcast can help you retrain kids who are awful to be around. If you are offended by people talking about kids in a realistic way, turn this podcast off. You are going to really hate this. But if you are a teacher, parent, principal, lunch lady, aunt, uncle, bus driver, or daycare worker who wants to learn how to take great care of yourself and the kids around you, you should stay with us for the next half hour or so. Hey, podcast listeners. This is a brand new podcast that we're starting. Do we even have a name for this podcast, Scott? I don't think we do. Let's the, the Kid Whisperer podcast. We could we'll start that, and if anybody out there listening has a better idea, we'll, we'll fix it. We'll change it. Absolutely. Maybe ask the Kid Whisperer. Ah, that's a good one. Mm, there I'll we go. Class dismissed, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm Izzy Rock. I'm one of the hosts and producers of Gym City Podcast. Next to me is my my co-host, Mark yeah. DeGrosso. Hello, everybody. We are uh, at beautiful Folio Design House in the Oregon District. It's an amazing place. And uh, Thank you. Scott. Scott. Hello. Scott Irvin. What's up, buddy? Not a lot. Not a lot. Actually, a lot. Doing a lot, a lot of stuff. Been working really hard. Been uh, really excited to do the podcast. Been working on a lot of schools. Been uh, parenting. Been uh, uh, working with kids. So uh, I'm just excited to be here. Well, we, we talked about the kid whisper earlier. Yeah. What What does that mean? Well, I just uh, want to start off with that question. What does sure, that mean? Sure, sure. It, it, it actually uh, came up when uh, a uh, I was a behavioral consultant. I've been working with kids for a long time and, and uh, working with adults to show them how to become strict and loving with kids. And uh, my wife's friend, when I described kind of long-windedly what I did, he said, oh, so you're kind of like a kid whisperer. And I said, oh, well, I guess I kind of am. And that sort of stuck. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'm the kid whisperer. Yeah. Yes. And, and people might not know that reference. They might not know of a dog whisperer or a horse whisperer. Um, there's people out there who they're, they're good with kids. And right. you have a way to connect with kids that I think that it will be beneficial to parents and teachers. Yeah, and, and the really important thing to, to know is that I don't have some kind of strange uh, intrinsic ability to relate to children or put my hand on their shoulder and then understand them and look into their eyes. No, don't have Vulcan mind. Right. Nothing, nothing strange or, or uh, kind of creepy like that. Uh, I have skills. I have procedures that I've learned over time that have been really uh, effective uh, with even the most difficult kids. And I've become really passionate about sharing those skills and procedures um, uh, with parents and teachers and bus drivers and lunch ladies and any, anybody who works with kids. And it wasn't always like that. I mean, uh, witness my first two years teaching. I screamed. I yelled. I had to take a nap during my planning period every day <laughs> because back when we used to have planning periods uh, because I was so tired from screaming and yelling at these poor children. That's probably uh, pretty normal. 
it, it is. I think it was maybe a little bit extreme because I was working with really tough kids in a really difficult situation, and I'm a lunatic, uh, and I get angry, and I have really no. I have kind of a an ability to build relationships with kids. I kind of if kids aren't being complete assholes, I have a good. I do a good job of of getting to know them and and building relationships. But uh, I don't have an innate ability to be calm with kids. And that's kind of a, a myth about good teachers is that they're just these incredibly calm, patient people. A lot of times patience is not a virtue with kids because a lot of times you'll let kids get away with things they shouldn't get away with if you're really patient. Because it's just an easier way, a simpler way to do it. Just like, you know what, just let it happen. Right. Just, oh, okay. You know, the more a kid exhibits a negative behavior uh, and it gets them what they want, the more they're going to do it. So if you let it go, it's going to happen again. And they're going to repeat, explore, and heighten that behavior. And the same is true of positive behaviors. If a kid gets what they want through a positive behavior, they're going to heighten that behavior too, and they're going to explore it. I think about how polite my daughter is. My And this is not going to be a podcast but about me bl- uh, bragging about my daughter. But uh, but every so often it may pop it up. It may so. pop up. Well, actually, I get in trouble for, for, for the, the opposite of that. I call in, in my column... And uh, in my writing on Facebook, I call my daughter the evildoer. And people really get upset about it. They are just absolutely just just floored by the fact that I would call my daughter the evildoer. A couple of things. One, I, I, I think we can all agree that I don't actually think my daughter is evil. Two, I think it's kind of funny that my daughter, this is, here's a compliment for my daughter, my, my daughter has a better grasp of irony than a lot of people, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Because she thinks it's funny, and I call it to her face, and I tell her she's evil. She calls me evil, and we have a good time with it. But, uh, but yeah, I just um, I don't have just natural skills of some magical thing. It's just I, I, have, I have skills and procedures that I've learned. Uh, and real quick, elevator speech of how you got to this point. Right. Well, after those first two years... Uh, I read a book called Teaching with Love and Logic by by my my mentor Jim Fay and and David Funk, and it changed everything that I did. I started to instead of uh, trying to uh, uh, just pray my way out of getting difficult kids in my room, I started requesting that those difficult kids be put in my room. I started having great success with that, uh, and then it got to the point where uh, uh, I taught at the largest primary school in the United States, and I requested that all the most difficult kids be put in my room, and I had great success with those kids because I knew how to do all the things that I learned in that book. And I created my own procedures, uh, that allowed me to be calm and strict and loving and, and assertive with kids and get the behaviors I needed from those kids so that I could actually enjoy them. I mean, cause this nonsense idea of like, Oh, I love children. I, everybody should love children no matter what they're like. That's not true. People don't enjoy kids when they're being obnoxious. Right? So, we don't want to let those things go, those obnoxious behaviors, because we have to live with these kids, whether we're a parent or a teacher or a bus driver or whatever. we got to live with these kids. So we want to, the great thing about kids is you can, you can create this human being to be the person you want to be around. Now, we've asked questions. I've put, we have. put out questions on both Mark and my Facebook page to get questions back from our parent, parent friends, um, friends who are parents. Uh, but before I get to those, my question: mm-hmm. I have a six, seventeen-year-old, and a fourteen-year-old. 
It is for me. This is live. This is a real question and, for you. And Mark, just to, just to let people know Mark's background uh, as far as raising kids. How old are your kids, Mark? Uh, twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Twin girls. Mm-hmm. So, so I've had twins, and one is actually uh, just bred. So now I've got a uh, a two month old uh, grand offspring. Right on. Right on. So yep. Wow. So, so I'm, I'm listening to all this, and you know, working out the the grandparent scenario. This works for grandparents. Right. That's right. Exactly. Works for all people. How do you motivate teens? How do you motivate teens? That's a great question. Uh, motivating any human being is uh, a big part of that is what you don't do. Uh, start with that. The first thing that doesn't work, didn't work for me, didn't work for you, didn't work for, doesn't work for parents, doesn't work for grandparents or teachers, is lecturing, warning, and threatening. Those things don't work. Human beings, and that's because the human brain does not respond to be being lectured, warned, and threatened. Now, they're really, really easy people for whom anything will work. I always think of my wife. My wife was a kid, uh, as a kid, was you could give her a book, say, go, sit over there, read this book, sit in the corner, read the book, and it would be, oh, okay. You know, I was the opposite of that. I, 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 I think most people are somewhere in between, right? So to motivate a teenager, what you don't do is you don't lecture, you don't warn, and you don't threaten. I mean, if you think about from your own childhood, did anybody, no one here, when their parents lectured them, I mean, did anybody think, oh, yeah, geez, you know, that lecture was really good. My, my, I don't appreciate anything. My parents, you know, I didn't realize I had to go uphill both ways to school. Boy, the snow was terrible. back. I need to really apologize to them and really think about, you know, what I'm, uh, uh, how I'm treating my parents. No, you go up to your room after you've been yelled at or lectured and you, you know, plan for the demise of your, your, your parents. <laughs> so, so just to be very, very specific as far as motivating teens specifically to work hard, the great way to do that is to set up the world uh, in a realistic way to allow the real world consequences of not working hard befall your kid. So what do I mean by that? It's a very specific thing that I call real world workshop. And the way that it works is it works in classrooms, it works in in homes. But when your kids come home from school every day, they should have nows and laters. And you literally write this, it doesn't matter how old your kid is, you can write it on dry erase board, make it really, really simple. You can have the things that they have to do, just like we all have. And then the things that they have to do or that they can do once they're done with the things they have to do. Now, this is the real real world. When I get done with my nows, my nows today were do a uh, professional development at a school in Dayton. Uh, It was to create content, write a column for the Dayton Daily News and the Cox newspapers that that I do, and do this. When I'm done with this, I'm done with my nows, I can do my laters. I'm going to watch a Louis uh, C.K. video on Netflix with my wife. That's what I'm going to do. And I might have a glass of wine. That might be another now. Or excuse me, another I, later. No, I, I, you could go with a now on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the way life is. So what you need to do is create that for your teenager. right? So you can have that written down. One, you can have one list for one teenager, one list for the other. And they've got to do, just like in real life, they've got to do their nows first and their later second. So your nows can be uh, homework. Uh, take a, take out the trash, feed the dog, all right? And the laters can be, uh, could be watch TV, play on your device. And then a neat thing you can do is put a question mark, and that's a mystery later because that's real life too. 
when you're done with your work, you don't have to do anything else. If something cool comes up, wow, you get to do it. If something cool comes up and you're not done with your work, you don't get to do it. That's just real life, right? So uh, if, you, if you do that, if you set that up, it's real life. And you just get to be a scorekeeper instead of a referee. So I go to University of Dayton basketball games and I, and I, and I scream at referees the whole game. I never once have screamed at the scorekeeper, right? A scorekeeper is just somebody going, oh, man, well, you're not done with your, you're not done with, down with, done with your nows. You can't do your laters. Now, if a kid has a device, if a kid's playing on his phone, when he's, so that's a later, when he's not done with, none of, with one of his nows, it's really important to deal with this the right way. We don't warn. We don't threaten, right? So we're not going to say, hey, you need, how many times do I have to tell you you didn't, you didn't do your now, so you can't. You just simply walk up, say, oh, man, be empathetic with your own man and take the device away. That's it. There's no anger. There's no lectures. There's no warnings. There's no, no judgment. No anything. Just, no. That's black and white. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then he might say, when am I going to get that back? And then you could get to say, oh, we'll see. All right. There's no argument. There's no argument. It's just that's the way it is. Because a lot of kids... When I was a kid, I was this way. They'd rather have the angry, excitable adult arguing and throwing a fit than they would even like to have their cell phone back, right? So, and I've actually seen the adult throw the fit and give the cell phone back, right? So then you're really reinforcing not only laziness, but being a jerk, right? So that's not the per- the type. You don't want to live with the lazy jerk. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. Now, how much iPad is too much iPad? Uh, question came from Jeremy Cox, who plays in the local Dayton band Rind. Oh, nice. oh great. Uh, so this technology question, there are people who are more of experts than me who would be better to ask. I have my own opinions. Uh, the American Pediatric Association uh, says that there should be no screens till the till the kid is five years old. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I know most people they, don't. They may be wrong, right? They, or they may be very right. right I don't know. Some, right. Some people have turned the iPad into a babysitter. Right. Yeah. And and I, you know, I have my opinions on that. I'm not the expert on that. What I'm more of an expert on is, and I and I can give you more of my opinion on that. But what do you do when kids freak out when you take the iPad? That's how, where I can help most. In my opinion, we, we, uh, I have a five-year-old, and we limit her screen time. She's not allowed. We probably watch uh, 20 minutes of uh, TV uh, per day. She does. Uh, and there will be no phones. Mm. There will be no smartphones. There will be no iPads. That's just me. But I'm not an expert. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's not... That's nothing to do with any of your... That's just your personal just opinion. Just as a today. parent. Just as yeah. a parent, as somebody yeah. who studied the brain a little bit... Um, uh, I, I'm very scared. I'm scared for myself with yes. phones. Yeah. I've just stopped. I've just stopped uh, checking my phone. Uh, saw a very scary 60 Minutes thing on Sunday about ad- addiction in your phone. I don't check my phone as of uh, uh, what was that? Yesterday morning. I'm not checking my phone except for once in the morning and once at night. Uh, because I'm worried about it for my own brain, let alone the brain of my five-year-old. Now, if somebody, if kids are uh, throwing a, a temper tantrum when they you take the the uh, the device away, well, that's just too bad for the kid. We're going to be really really sad when we take it. But just like with the real-world workshop scenario, we're just going to take it. 
We're just simply going to say, oh, man, and take it away. And they're going to throw a fit. And here's the big thing. Parents out there, if your kid throws a fit, it doesn't mean you did something wrong. It does not mean you did something wrong. Your kid is just throwing a fit because they're not getting what they want. Your kid isn't always going to get what they want, nor should they. Right? So don't think you did something wrong just because your kid is upset. Now, the, the time frame for uh, you said a half hour, you said your daughter's five? Correct. Um, say there's, there's a, say a 14-year-old. You mm-hmm. lift the time frame up according to their age or? I guess. Mm-hmm. I would think so. I, and I think the, uh, the I mean, uh, you, you would, let your daughter, you, you'd say your daughter's got 20 minutes of TV time. Right. Most cartoons are a half hour. That's true. And she doesn't get to watch most, most cartoons all the way through. Oh, my God. Does I she know, watch the terrible. beginning or does she miss the end? We'll see. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. It's not my problem. I, I don't, I, you know, just like I had somebody, I had somebody tell me, well, and I said, my daughter's not going to have a smartphone. And they said, or an iPad. And the person said, well, wh- how does she feel about that? And I said, I don't care. I, how does she f- I, her brain doesn't work. She's five years old. The elevator isn't going to the top floor. How does she feel about it? I could care less how she feels about it. It's bad for her. It's like, well, I don't give my, my child Twinkies for breakfast. Oh, well, how does she feel about that? Who cares? She's five. So. I'm not, I'm not, I don't concern myself with her feelings about Twinkies and breakfast. It's ludicrous. Yeah, I like it. Oh, my goodness. This is awesome. All right, so. How do you motivate a poor student with neither positive or negative reinforcement or when neither positive or re- negative reinforcement seems to work? Hmm. I think we're talking, about, we're talking about motivational a student where neither one they're just kind of droning. Yeah, you can't you can't motivate them with positive or negative behavior. Okay. They just don't seem to have any sort of uh, yeah. No drive, no. Yeah. Okay. Right. So motivating a student it's going to be the exact same way to motivate your kid. Using that real-world workshop scenario, I've had kids, I had one kid who literally had never touched a pencil to a piece of paper in his life. Mm, kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, second grade again when they threatened to uh, hold him back if he didn't start doing work, and he just said, well, watch me, I'm not going to do it. And then he came to me. And what I did was I apologized to him for, uh, on behalf of the entire school for ever uh, trying to force him to do work and told him I would never, ever force him to do work. And just so he didn't cause a problem, he was free to sit in my classroom and just learn by osmosis and just have it diffuse into his body. And he could just do nothing the entire year, and that was totally fine with me. So now what everybody out there is thinking, what? no, you, it's your job to make him learn. It's not my job to make him learn. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You can't make someone learn. That's impossible. And this kid has some really, really high control need situations because he had no control at home. His home life was horrible, and this was the only thing he could control. He could get adults with master's degrees to scream and yell and turn different colors just by saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And he did. He controlled, he controlled these adults, and he wasn't a behavior problem other, in any other way. So I just told him, you don't have to do anything. And I did what a 
described before, real world workshop in, in the room. He had his nows. He had his laters. Now, one of the laters, almost every day for the first three weeks, was a mystery later that once everybody else was done with their work or almost everybody else was done with their work, I would erase the question mark I put up there and I'd write recess. And then everyone would go to, out to recess, including him. He would just bring a clipboard and sit on the side and watch everybody play while he brought the work he wasn't going to do. And eventually, over time, when he realized, and in my classroom, the other laters were things like play a math game. They were all to Common Core standards. They were all still learning. Play a math game. Write a, write a letter to Justin Bieber. Uh, that's how long ago this was. Uh, um, and all these other more fun things. And he just sat back and he realized eventually by, let's see, December, he realized, oh, wait a second, my life gets better when I work. Mr. Irvin isn't going to force me to do my work. By the way, I can't force him anyway. But my life gets better when I work hard. We, kids are always going to recognize that. So when you're, using, when you're using praise, which doesn't work with really difficult kids, you're so great. Oh, great. You did a great job of sitting down and picking up your pencil. Yay. It doesn't work for difficult kids because difficult kids have trust issues and they see when you're full of it, right? They're, they're savvy enough to realize that, the, and they, they know that a lot of times the adults around me haven't been very trustworthy. And especially when you do something transparent like praise kids in a sort of false way, they're going to notice that and it's going to hurt your relationship instead of help. So just creating that real world situation, the reason I do work, the reason you do work usually is not because you just love working. It's not like when I'm raking leaves, I'm thinking, wow, this is wonderful. No, I'm thinking, I want to get this done because I want to go inside and I want to watch television or I want to go read a book, right? That's why we do work instead of creating this thing where Oh, we, this idea that, oh, children should all love to work. They should all love to work. They don't all the time, right? So let's be realistic about kids instead of making up these sort of pie-in-the-sky silly ideas about kids and work. Mm, I love it. Um, okay. I have friends. Uh, uh, my friend Jessica. Bedtime meltdowns. Gotcha. And go. Gotcha. Bedtime <laughs> meltdowns. Don't need an explanation on that. I understand That's that. exactly what she said. <laughs> and go. And do we know the age of, uh, of uh, She is... Four, three, four, uh, four or five. Wonderful. Okay, so this is really going to offend a lot of people who uh, want me to coddle them with uh, silly nonsense. So if you like, uh, if, if you want me to sing Kumbaya and and uh, about this with this answer and say something cute and sweet, you're not going to like this at wrong, all. So you, wrong podcast. Yeah, this is. Yeah, there's another. Yeah, uh, parenting, parentingnonsense.com or something. I'm sure they've got something <laughs> great for you. All right, so so it's not your job to make your child happy about going to bed. A lot of four-year-olds don't enjoy going to bed. They're not supposed to enjoy going to bed. Um, they're just going to have to. And so if you, you know, you're going to do, we can start with some uh, giving away some control that we don't need. All right. So uh, in order to avoid, you're, we're not really going to need to avoid the meltdown. We're going to train her no matter what. Uh, but in order to um, sort of avoid the power struggle, you can give them lots and lots of choices leading up to it. Like, do you want to go to bed uh, 
uh, start getting ready for bed now or in 15 minutes? Do you want to, when they're brushing their teeth, do you want to use uh, the purple toothbrush or the red toothbrush? Do you want me to brush my teeth with you or, or, brush my, or do you want to brush your teeth alone? Do you want to put on the blue PJs or the princess PJs? Do you want to hop to your bed or do you want to walk to your bed? So all of those things, we don't care. We're giving away the control that we don't need. We don't need that control. It doesn't make any difference. So we give that away. So they don't, we give those things that control away on our terms. So she doesn't try to take it on her terms. Mm. Right. So if, but she still could throw a meltdown. It's if she's asking the, if, if your friend Jessica is asking this question, I'm sure this kid is still going to have the meltdown. Mm. All right. So when she has the meltdown, you know, you're going to go through all the things, all the things that you do and having, by the way, uh, rituals that you do every time when it's not we're not talking about burning candles or or or, or incense but no uh, chicken killing uh, no chicken killing I, I didn't i didn't think see that's the great thing about this podcast you wouldn't think that the words no chicken killing would be in a, a <laughs> parenting and, and educating podcast but yet it was so that's fantastic no i love it i think it's great so um whatever your whatever your wiccan uh or satanistic uh um Rituals. Uh, rituals are, I'm not saying you have to have them. Uh, once they're done, they're done. And it will be the time in the evening where the kid loses her mind and screams and yells and goes crazy. Okay? That's just going to happen. So what you need to do in that situation is give lots of love before it happens. I love you so much. I know you're going to get through this. And then that is it. You're not going to be talking to your kid anymore. Your kid isn't going to be going, coming out into the hallway because the kid is not going to be able to get into the hallway. Right? We're going to make sure she's gone to the bathroom. We're going to make sure that she's going to be good for the night. And then she can't come into the hallway anymore. And at that point, you don't have a discipline problem. You have a locksmithing problem. And if you need to create, there's a couple of things you can do. You can have a lock on the outside of the door. You can, for a four-year-old, you can, um, I'm doing a motion here, which doesn't really come through on a a audio medium. There's a visual thing going on. Yeah. (laughs) You you think about when you're uh, a teenager and you uh, did that thing with the towel where you would... uh, Where you thwack people with... Well, do that. Don't hit your kid with the towel. But instead... (laughs) <laughs> I'm still doing this physically. Throw it over the top of the door and close the door. That way you're strong enough for a four-year-old. You're strong enough to open the door, but she's not. Mm. Okay. So you basically you block the door off. Right. 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 Do not try to have a tug of war with your kid in the door handle. Mm. All right. Do not do that. Um, because it's too much fun. That's what the kid wants. Right, And so what now everybody is going to say is that is the most horrific thing in the world. That's child abuse. That's nonsense. There's no, and this is, goes into another thing, but that at some point, and I work with, with people who usually don't come to me because things are going really well with their kid. And so people who don't under, people who say, well, you could never lock your kid in the room. It's child abuse. That's absolutely nonsense. You are going to, at some point, kids exhibit, can exhibit behaviors that the only thing that they can possibly do, you can possibly do with them, is put them in a place that is safe, where they can't hurt themselves and they can't hurt other people. Someone needs to show me the research that says that if a kid is in a room by themselves, it's going to, it's going to scar them for life. 
That just isn't true. So those things ha do happen. Sometimes if you have a 17-year-old who's absolutely going berserk and is breaking things, explain to me what else you do in that situation. This mm. is not really answering the question. But explain to me what you do in that situation. I actually had a client who had people tell her had actually in a divorce proceeding someone tell her she couldn't put her kid in her room so instead she was supposed to restrain him by sitting on this 10 year old who was only a little bit weaker than she was sitting on him and and holding his arms up which is actually <laughs> which is actually can kill the kid literally can suffocate the kid she she almost had her nose broken yeah, by having to struggle because this kid was flat out was basically as strong as she was. Yeah, at kids that are age. strong. Yeah, right? they are, especially when they're angry. Yes, and you're scared. Yeah, the kids can be re can get really really strong at 11 years old, especially when you're a small woman. Yes, yeah, that's actually another question that I had. What what happens when your kid like let's say you take away the phone and kid starts getting physical with you? Um, somebody actually had had that question. What happens when it starts turning into a physical thing with the kids? Sure, it's gonna. It will wholly depend on their size, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it will depend on their size. If you are able to um, have them in their room when they are, if you're able to make sure that they are in their room, you do the exact same thing as when you're having a with a 15 year old who's having a temper tantrum, as you do when they are four years old having that bedtime fit. So if they destroy things, they're paying for. If they and if they don't have money, they're working it on. Because a fifteen-year-old will probably end up holding the walls. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. what a wonderful opportunity it will be for him to learn how to drywall. That's right. Right. And by the way, not right now. We're going to delay it. We're not going to try to do anything right now. Now, if you have a situation, this is really important. I've had clients who I used to work one-on-one -on -one with people, and I've had a lot of clients one-on-one -on -one clients, and, and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of parents at this point uh, in, in larger groups um, who ask questions about physical safety with, with kids. If you are actually in danger with your kids, call the police. It's that simple. Call the police. Uh, in, in some countries, it's called an incorrigible child. Some places, an uh, unruly minor. Uh, uh, call the police. They need to be. They need to take your kid away, uh, and that is a logical consequence. They need to understand that that belligerent, disorderly behavior means that a police officer will be escorting you somewhere. The price tag for lo learning that today is as lo low as it will ever be. I'd rather have them learn that when they're seven instead of learning that when they're twenty three and drunk in a bar. Mm. Right, so they're going to have to learn it. Let's let's make sure they learn it now. And uh, I guess we'll we'll end with this question um, from a teacher. It says uh, effect of social promotion, specifically middle school, not held accountable for their grades slash failures in middle school, and the often thrown throw away first quarter slash semester or freshman year when they actually have consequences for not passing. As a Former teacher and principal, how how do you feel about that? There are so many things that are going wrong when you get to that point. Um, so really, what the question really? It's a great question. What the question is really asking is: once we have failed in a million different ways, what do we do? 
There's no good answer. There really isn't a good answer because I guarantee you that kid has been threatened. This kind of comes, brings all the things we've been talking about together. Those kid, that kid has been threatened about doing their work. He's in a power struggle with every single one of his teachers. Let's talking about middle school. He's got eight different teachers who are all in his, on his case about doing, about doing work, getting this done. You get this done now. Um, I don't think there is a good answer for that. And I frankly don't have a strong opinion on the best thing to do in that case. What I do think needs to happen is the, excuse me, that the teachers and the principal need to have actual training in classroom management and behavior management skills and procedures. They need to specifically know how to build relationships with kids, doing ESPN greetings, uh, building with conversation, all the things that bizarro lectures, all the things that I teach. They need to know how to give away control. They need to be able to, the control they only, the control they want to give away. Uh, They need to know how to neutralize argument, which is great love and logic skill. If they don't have those things, these things are going to happen over and over and over again. And there's nothing, there are no good answers to that because that kid's not going to be successful no matter what we do. There's not people who are on both sides of that argument for and against social promotion. They make it sound like, well, if we do one or the other, it's going to fix the kid. That kid is lost. That kid has at eighth grade, the chances of that kid being successful are very, very low because his teachers, the people around him, have haven't learned these things and by the way it's not the teacher's fault it's not the principal's fault i didn't learn a single thing about behavior management the entire time i i i was in school learning how to be a teacher and getting my master's and how to be a teacher literally not one second of one class was spent teaching me how to do that and it's not people's fault and then who who suffers the teachers do the principals do and ultimately the kids suffer so no great answer for that we just were failing say i mean i really hate to say you know that that kid's lost uh-huh. at, at that at that age you know could you could you start peeling it back as an onion and just handling one issue at a time to slowly get them back in line from two years from now absolutely like your game plan if the teachers are trained absolutely i mean i've dealt with eighth graders as a principal and as a as a discipline specialist, I've dealt with eighth graders who we were able to because teachers had, were were trained, and I was helping teachers out, and I was working with this kid. If nobody argues with them, if everybody neutralizes argument with them, if they always delay consequences, all these great love and logic skills, if everybody's got great procedures, yeah, we can save these kids. The chances of saving them plummet after third grade, but you can absolutely you can absolutely save these kids, but you have to know how. It's not about just, oh, I'll just be nice to these kids. Guess what? That that eighth grader that that person is asking questions about, I guarantee you, that person is not very pleasant to be around. Mm. <laughs> you can't just go in and say, oh, I'm going to be nice to him. Well, good luck. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to be nice to him. You have to know how to build relationships. You know, have to uh, know how to share control. If you don't know those things, I don't, I don't understand how you can be nice to the kid. It's really, it would be very, very difficult. In the real world, that's the way it works. Man. I think uh, it ain't all rainbows and sunshine right. on this podcast. <laughs> I'm looking for the unicorns. <laughs> no where's unicorns the, either. The magic unicorns. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think if you uh, listen to this podcast, um, 
for several times that you're going to pick up some tips to handle that kind of situation. Right, and and it's going to exist on the plane of reality. Yes. It's not going to be an overnight quick fix. Right, <laughs> and and and, and a sp- well, with a kid like that, no. With with the with the uh, with with the eighth grader, no. With the temper tantrum at bedtime, maybe. Maybe two nights. It's, right? cha- it's changed the foundation at that right. point. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that's a good example of, boy, fixing that kid's bedtime may not seem like a big deal to the average person. It seems like a big deal to that parent. But fixing those things, understanding, kids understanding that when adults say something, they mean it and they're going to follow through. Right? So, so that bedtime thing, understanding, I love you, honey. I love you. I am not, you're not going to leave this room anymore tonight. That's incredibly powerful. That's incredibly important. And there's the other side of that where if, if I bet that eighth grader didn't have that, that eighth grader probably had, had adults not meaning what they say, not able to back up what they say, not giving real consequences. And then they are, they're, they're, that kid is nine years later not working hard, not exhibiting positive behaviors, testing people, being basically a jerk because he doesn't see the the consequences of exhibiting negative behaviors. And kids have to see that. Man, I do think uh, in the age of podcasting and where people can listen to this on their commutes and who are seeking answers because a lot of us, none of us got a handbook when we left uh, the hospital with our children. Um, it's It's incredibly important to have a podcast like this to, have you let people know what's up? And I think the questions were pretty diverse. Yeah. We had teens, we had children, we had teachers ask questions. So, mm-hmm. um, Mark, do you have any, any last questions? Uh, this is the first uh, the inaugural podcast. I think the tools that Scott's going to be uh, giving us and you guys um, over the, over the, uh, the uh, presentations that we're going to do, I think take them, use them, Learn them, and by all means, let us know if you get more questions. I mean, these are these are just these are a set of tools and processes that you guys come up with that that is completely, you know, a way to do this, and and so you guys can quit pulling your hair out. Yeah, you know, literally, right. it's 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 you know what you got to think. You know, this is it. You know, boom, done. So I think I think by the time you know we get four or five episodes in here, there's going to be some great process going, great learnings going on, and, and it's going to be fantastic. And um, go, Scott, do you let people know where they can find your stuff. Let people know uh, if they need to email you to ask questions. Do you have an email that people can send to? And if you have resources that maybe there's teachers out there who are like, huh. Maybe I'd like maybe, to have him come in. Maybe he'd come in and talk to the kids. Right. Absolutely. And, and what I do is actually talk to the teachers. Mm-hmm. So I train the teachers to work ah. with the students. Now ah. I do some bully proofing stuff with kids as well. Um, but yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff. Uh, my website is Irvin educational consulting.com. You can email me at S Irvin E R V I N at Irvin educational consulting.com. Uh, Facebook is Facebook forward slash ask the kid whisperer. Twitter is at Scott Irvin kids. Instagram is Scott Irvin kids. Uh, one really awesome thing that we have going on August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, we are doing Kid Whisperer University, 
where you can uh, come in and learn the nine essential skills for the Love and Logic classroom, and it works for parents, too. It's not just for, for, for teachers. It's great for uh, principals, bus drivers, lunch ladies, grandparents. Ah. Mark. Boom. There it is. Aunts, uncles, anybody who works with kids, I can teach you these nine skills that just saved my career. Yeah. You know, if I didn't have, if I did not have these skills, I wouldn't have lasted more more than three years in teaching um, and in education. And I couldn't, I could not be a parent. I mean, my daughter is wired to be just like me. She's really, she's just wired. She, she wants what she wants. She pushes the limit. Yeah, she pushes. And But I'm able to deal with her in a calm way without being a calm person. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, if I didn't have this stuff, I couldn't, I couldn't be a parent and I couldn't be an educator. And those are the two things that I've always wanted to be more than anything else. So uh, it's just incredibly val- valuable. And please, anybody out there, contact me. Reach out. Uh, if you want me to come to your school, I would love to come to your school and teach, uh, teach skills, the nine essential skills for love and logic classroom, calm assertive procedures. I work with parents. I do parent workshops. I just want to get this stuff to as many people as possible because I want people to be able to enjoy their students and enjoy their own kids. Right on. And uh, I, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, we're, we're still in the works of putting this, like this, this is the very first recording. So where we go from here, uh, just continue to pay attention. Um, go to the, go to dot com for one. This is where we're recording in Folio. We record a, a bunch of podcasts about the Dayton, Ohio area. So if you're listening to this and you're not in the Dayton, Ohio area, that's perfectly fine. But if you come to the Dayton area, you can check out Gym City Podcast. And uh, Scott, any last words? This is just so important. And I just appreciate you guys doing this. And I appreciate being able to have this outlet. In my opinion, human beings being trained to exhibit positive pro-social behaviors is the most important thing uh, in the world. I, I could be wrong, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't think you are. I don't think you are. Um, I want to thank the band Sam at 11 for letting us use the song Lights Out um, for the intro and outro. And uh, go check them out on Facebook at Sam at 11. And uh, that's it. Class dismissed. Hello, Kid Whisperer Nation, and welcome to the Kid Whisperer Podcast. This is the one and only place to come if you want realistic advice on how to get kids to exhibit the behaviors they need to exhibit in order to be successful, have positive relationships, and avoid prison. This podcast is not about theory. This podcast is not about fluff. This is realistic advice that will allow you to be calm and assertive with kids no matter how old and no matter how obnoxious they are. This podcast can help you retrain kids who are awful to be around. If you are offended by people talking about kids in a realistic way, turn this podcast off. You are going to really hate this. But if you are a teacher, parent, principal, lunch lady, aunt, uncle, bus driver, or daycare worker who wants to learn how to take great care of yourself and the kids around you, you should stay with us for the next half hour or so. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode two of The Kid Whisperer. 
or ask the kid whisper. I think we're, I think we're going with a kid whisper. Kid whisper. All right. Um, do whatever you tell me. Pull that mic just a little <laughs> bit closer to you. How about this? Uh, just pull it physically. Yeah, physically, All right. All right. physically and emotionally. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, episode two of the Kid Whisper, and um, let's get a recap of what's been going on in your lives. Well, we've been uh, promoting Kid Whisper University. We're having uh, August second, third, and fourth. Just I guess going straight into a commercial. Sorry, uh, it's going all good. <laughs> Kid Whisper University, Cox Arboretum, Dayton, Ohio, uh, August second. Third and fourth, uh, everybody's going to learn the nine essential skills for the Eleven Logic Classroom. Also applicable at, at uh, for home use uh, for parents. So uh, really excited to do that. Been promote, promoting that. Been going out to schools on our victory tour. Oh, I should talk about the victory tour. Yes. Um, so uh, our governor has uh, he tried to uh, sort of sneak a provision into the 2018 budget that said that all teachers trying to get their licenses renewed would have to do an internship uh, at uh, a local business mm-hmm. to help them to teach. I don't understand the renewal. Why is that? I don't oh. understand it either. Okay. No one understands it. Uh, and uh, we all felt like, we, by we, I meant all licensed teachers. I'm a, I have a current pre-kindergarten through third grade license, Ohio teaching license. And uh, I decided that we that wasn't going to fly with me and I was not going to be renewing it under those terms. So one thing we decided to do was have a passive resistance campaign against this program. And I decided that uh, in, I would have, I thought, hey, I have a business, uh, Urban Educational Consulting. And if you wanted to intern with me, you could come to my business. And in my business, we go and get our, my, our interns get coffee in the morning, yeah. and they get to catch up on their lesson plans. And in the afternoon, they get uh, massages uh, sponsored by a local business. <laughs> and so, uh, as a that, so basically, me and Izzy are coming to intern at your place. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, unfortunately for you, uh, we stopped this from happening. They removed it partially because of our resistance movement. Uh, that original post about that, and we we're going to do that at Ghostlight Coffee. Uh, give a plug to Ghostlight, our friends over there. You love the Ghostlight. Yes. And uh, we decided that, um, uh, yeah, that's how we're going to be passively resisting the program. And uh, we got 2.2 million views on Facebook on that for that plan. We're actually planning that to go statewide. So coffee shops and places where you can get massages. We are actually coordinating all of that to happen. Partially because we did that, uh, people stopped supporting that part of the bill and it was taken out so wow. so Very we had nice. a, yeah we had a victory tour uh celebration which is me going out for free just to be around teachers uh and going out and doing kid whisper uh question and answer periods uh sessions with and it's been uh absolutely fantastic so i've been going around doing that uh all over the great greater dayton area recently so that's been absolutely wonderful fantastic yeah. congratulations yeah thank Very you nice. we've been really it's it's good to it's good to win one you know as teachers we get beat up all the time. Well, it's like they say, that all the teachers, you guys have summers off. We, <laughs> yeah. I read, a, I read a meme that's like, nine things never say to a teacher. And the top one was, like, well, you have summers off. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, Mark, uh, how's, how's being a grandparent? Papa's are being good. Papa's a fantastic job. Anybody get a chance to do that, do that. It's a fantastic uh, gig. Right. It's great. I got, uh, this is a big year for the DeGrosse and Lando. We got, uh, Papa the first year and in-law the second year. So in one year, 
I'm going wow. from a papa to an in-law to maybe an outlaw next year. I don't know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so we'll see. You're always an outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just to recap what's been going on with me, and this will lead into our questions. Uh, my son, who's 17, he's going to be 18 in August uh, the other day. He sent me a text asking me, was there a bump uh, in, in the back of the van on the bumper? And I said, no, send me a picture. And so my 17-year-old son sen- sends me a picture of this uh, bump in the back of our 2005 Chrysler Town & Country. That's an extra car. He uses it. Um, there's some rust on it, but it's a, it's a usable car. So you get a little dink in there now. And he said, I don't know how it happened. And if you saw this bump... How do you not know how this happened? <laughs> and so my wife and I instantly saw it through his lie. My wife did before I did. I, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. So he gets to the house, and I said, okay. He continues with the lie, and I said, hold on. I look at my wife and give her that, like, we, the gig is up. Right. And so I asked him, we're on two paths here. You can continue to lie to us and continue to break trust and continue on the path you're on or you can just admit that you made a mistake like we all do like i did like your mom did and be honest and then you won't ever have to worry about it right it's over and it's over right and then he he told the truth and how my parents or people that i grew up with would have responded was yelling and screaming and you know and so listening to you on the last episode and the, the episode we did for gym city podcast i've started to use some of the some of the skills that you're teaching, some Good. of the things that, um, you know, like my other son got, got grounded for trespassing somewhere. And I, I told him, I said, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And I kept that going. And, and he was such a good kid. Right. <laughs> he, got a <laughs> he was such a good kid. Right. No, um, that's great. So did I handle the situation? Right? I think you did a really good job. And, and one important point to make here is that you don't, when you know that the kid is guilty, and this goes for parents and teachers and whomever, when you know the kid is guilty, you do not have a constitutional uh, uh, need to, they don't have a constitutional right to uh, counsel, uh, and they don't have, there is no uh, benefit of the doubt, or you just, if you know it's true, you don't need to get a signed confession, all right? So, I mean, if you're going to, ha- and if you want to consequence that, even if he's, even if you were to continue to lie, you don't need to get him to admit it. That's not how it works. You're confusing. Some people confuse parenting with how attorneys have to act, right? <laughs> this is, this is not beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not a preponderance of the evidence. It's just you're the parent and he's the kid and you know he's lying. So he's lying. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. done. And so then you can consequence it and he can lie and, you know, forever. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. He is, you know that he did it, so you can consequence it. Yeah. Right. But yeah, a, a great idea to not two two really important things: not get getting angry and screaming and yelling, and you can also delay consequences too. Because if you think you have to get a, a signed confession out of your kid, and all he has to do is say no to frustrate you, you're going to go crazy. If you think you need to get to have an immediate consequence with your kid you are going to go crazy because the kid's just going to get into a power struggle with you. And invariably you're going to lose that power struggle because all the kid has to do is nothing. Yeah. And he can just watch you get really angry (laughs) and upset and scream and yell. And that's fun to watch that in a parent. Yeah. So just to finish up the story, hold that thought. Okay. We're back. So I just want to finish up the story. What did he hit? 
Because if um, you've seen the, okay. if you've seen it, you knew what it was. So he 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 was over visiting a friend, and instead of going down the road to turn left to go back home, he thought I'll just back into their driveway and and turn around, and he hit a fire hydrant. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, he's a, uh, but he's going to be eighteen in a couple of months, and it's like well, got to fix him immediately. Yeah, and you know the you know he's trying out. A behavior called lying yeah and you're making it not work yeah. it's really that simple you know if a kid is getting what they want consistently with lying like i did when i was a kid by the way they're going to become dishonest for a, a sustainable period of time and it's our job to make sure that that doesn't work if you're a teacher if you're a parent if you're a grandparent make sure that lying doesn't work for your kid right that it's it's sort it of seems, simple this seems simple it seems simple but you know there is some investigative you know, work that has to go in there. There's some FBI work. There's some uh, kid chicken, I call it. You know, <laughs> I know what you did. That works really well with kindergartners, cause, <laughs> but not as well with 17-year-olds because they're smart. Um, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think you handle that really well. Thanks, Ben. All right, so here we go. Uh, what do you do if you suspect your child of stealing? Ah, similar, similar thing. So, uh, and this can be true of... Um, you can extrapolate this to the classroom too, but stealing is a big deal because for a lot of parents, uh, stealing is the first thing that their kid has done. That's a negative behavior. That's actually illegal. So a lot of times parents will really freak out because, you know, if you, you know, you care about your kid and you, you can sometimes uh, over, um, uh, you know, what, what's the word? Over, overreact. Overreact. That's yeah. the word. It's three syllable. Uh, overreact uh, to um, to that because you're like, oh my god, this guy, kid's doing this illegal thing. He's going to be in prison if I don't do something right now. So it's very, very common to scream and yell because yeah. you're frustrated and you're scared. Uh, and so obviously, don't do that. You can do this instead. So if a kid steals, what you want to do as a logical consequence? First, don't do anything. Right? It's oh man, this is really sad. You know, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it later. Thanks. Walk away. Right. Of course, they're going to think about it a lot and it's going to be maybe even worse than the, than the consequence. So uh, allow, you know, time to go by. Think about what you're going to do. And this is what you should do. Uh, when you steal, you're saying to the adults around you, I cannot be trusted right now. Right. So in order to uh, be able to be trusted, you need to earn the trust back. Well, during that period of time, you need to have certain things stop happening for you. You're not going to be allowed to go and do certain things that involve trust. So for your 17-year-old, that may be uh, not uh, going out with, the, with his friends, right? That may, not, they, that may involve uh, not uh, doing certain things, not going on a vacation, not doing, you know, depending on how severe the stealing was and how many times it's happening, you can make that judgment call as a parent. So, you can just have this conversation. You just say, oh, man, you know, you took the 20 bucks out of my, my wallet. It really hurts my feeling. It really makes me sad. That's actually illegal. Um, so, you know, I'm going to have to put you in a situation and restrict your activities to things where I can see you and I don't have to trust you because right now I don't. So for, uh, for the foreseeable future, until I feel good about you, uh, being places and I can trust you, you're going to be with me and you're going to be in this house. And by the way, we're going to be putting our money away from now on. You're going to be in this house uh, until I can trust you. And of course, the kid will say, well, how long will that be? Do not tell them how long that will be. 
right? Because any kid can go, well, okay, I can weather this. I can weather. And it's sort of a punishment if you arbitrarily say two weeks, you know, the idea of grounding, which doesn't really work. So you're going to say instead, well, I'll just have to, it'll just depend on how trustworthy you can be and how quickly you can gain my trust back. Right. And then you can do some things that may seem a little silly, but specific positive noticing about trust. So walking up to your kid while they're in the house playing video games and say, Hey, I notice you haven't stolen anything in a while. I noticed that. And then the kid might say, <laughs> might say, Oh, can I, can I start doing stuff again? And you say, no, but this is better. Walk away. Right. And then, and this does not, it that doesn't, doesn't that's a little bit smart assy at that point. I, everything I do is a little bit smart assy, but okay. I try. Cause I'm just going, Hey, I noticed you haven't stolen anything. Good job. Well, Bobby. well <laughs> and try to say it, try to say it as, as, authentically as you can, because it is something that you're noticing. It is something that you no, notice is happening. Okay. And so, so, and also he, the kid is going to have a little video game in their mind, which is going to go ding, ding, ding. I'm getting closer. Ding, ding, ding. I'm getting better. I'm getting closer to being able to drive the car. I'm being able to go live my life like normal. But a kid needs to understand when you steal things, when you lie, your life stops, right? Because that can be true and will be true if he keeps lying, Right. Because there's some lies, in, or excuse me, he keeps stealing because that's illegal. And there's a place where Ohio's finest or Arizona's finest or uh, any p- police officer, there's a place where people get put if they're an adult and they steal stuff, right? We want to teach them now, that now when the price tag is, low, as, is as low as it will ever be. Now, when I was younger, uh, as a young dad, my son, same son, uh, he was probably three or four and he walked out of a store with something and we made him go back and give that and apologize. And, right. uh, he was so scared. He was so sick, scared. He was going to get in trouble, but we never had any problems with him, uh, doing it ever again. It's cause it was a logical consequence. Yeah. There was no reason to get upset. There was no reason for him to, cause the consequence by itself was enough. He didn't have to add any anger. Cause if you add anger to it, he's going to put his anger and disappointment on you instead of on himself. And then he'll, he will start, start to lose that internal locus of control and of blame for his actions, which is really unhealthy, which happens all the time. Wow. Um, so how, how do you deal with a two to three year old child who plays too rough around their, uh, new 10, 10 month old baby? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that you don't do is warn, and talk to him about it over and over. What you need to do is set the limit one time and then follow through with action. Right? So you can say, uh, Oh honey, now the baby is small. The baby is, uh, fragile and we have to play nicely with the baby. And then when the child doesn't play nicely and gently with the baby, you simply take action. And this is a love and logic skill. Uh, called the uh uh-oh song. And so it's really great for kids that are small enough to carry. And so the first moment that that child hurts or plays roughly with the infant, you do one of two things. You uh uh-oh the baby or you uh uh-oh the toddler. So you, if you uh uh-oh the baby, the infant, he plays too roughly with the infant and you pick up the infant. And as you pick him up, you go, uh uh-oh, uh Oh, take the infant, walk away. No words, no warnings. 
You're simply saying, uh, oh, because it's almost impossible to yell and swear while you're singing. Right? So that's why you that's do your, that. That's your coping mechanism. Right, exactly. <laughs> we have to have our own coping mechanisms first, right? We've got to take care of ourselves first. So simply, uh, oh, and we take them away. Because invariably, the two or three-year-old, they're probably trying to get attention from the adult, yeah. right? So if you stop and you say, how many times do I have to tell you not to touch the baby in that way because you're going to do And then you go through a WebMD list of all the things that could happen to the baby. And then the kid, even if he's crying, he's still enjoying it. He's still liking the attention. He's liking to be able to manip manipulate an adult's emotions. So if we just simply say, uh-oh, and uh-oh the baby away, and we don't say anything else, that's what we can do. The other thing we can do, maybe after we uh-oh the baby once or twice, is we uh-oh the toddler, the, the instigator, the one who's doing it. We simply pick the kid up and say, uh-oh, uh-oh, take him up to his room or a place that doesn't have technology, doesn't have entertainment, and put the kid there and say, come back as soon as you're ready. We want you to be with us. Or, or even come back as soon as you're ready to be safe with the baby. We want you to be with us, right? And then the second they touch the baby in a, in a way that is not gentle, we uh-oh the kid again. And they, that way they just learn you can be around the family for as many seconds as you can follow the rules of the family. Hmm. And I, I have a feeling that this question is going to go along with uh, the stilling one. But um, how, what do you do if you... It, this came from uh, a question of somebody who homeschools mm -hmm. and they've caught their child cheating mm -hmm. a couple of times. How do you, how do you handle a child who, who cheats? Right. On like uh, homework testing, yeah, that kind homework, of thing? Okay. things like that. Right. So for academic uh, cheating, the first thing that you do is we, with empathy say, Oh, this is so sad. Oh, well, I only give grades on uh, the, on work that is done honestly, and I'll be putting this in the trash and giving you a zero. And then that's it for that. And then they might argue, no, no, it's not fair. That's not true. And that's not fair. And we can just say, I know. Walk away. Or fair enough. Walk away. Do they? Do I still get the zero? Of course. Right. So we just set the limit one time and then we follow through with action. And then what we also do is we have uh, different parameters for uh, for the foreseeable future. We do the same thing with the stealing as with the stealing. But the, but we just simply say, oh, man, well, well, we're going to have a certain we're going to have different parameters. I'm going to be right with you while you're doing your homework or I'll be right with you while you're doing this test. All right. So we just say, well, and it doesn't have to be. Remember, this isn't punishment. It's not, you're going to stop doing this because of the pain I'm causing you. It's just, I'm going to change what, the way I do things because I can't trust you right now. And then notice, hey, I noticed that you did cheat on that test. I noticed that. I noticed that you did your homework without, without cheating. I noticed that. And then uh, invariably it'll be, oh, can, can you be in the kitchen instead of right next to me while I'm doing my, my work now? Well, no, but I trust you more, so you're getting there, right? So I think that's it, that's a calm way of dealing with it and being extremely calm, extremely strict at the same time. I like it. Uh, now, uh, there's a lot of children who are two, three years old and who have a lot of anger issues and a lot of uh, uh, throwing tantrums all over the place. Right. Um, how do you deal with a child like? How do you deal with a child like that? For one, and let's say you're a single parent. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that as a single parent? Well, they're really. 
first of all, the kids are going to get really, really angry for a long time. Mm. The hint on this is <laughs> it's not going to be about counseling them to deal with their anger. Because, you know, I, for instance, I had a third grader come up to me at orientation one, one time, and he had been, he had literally been uh, removed from his room and put into the principal's office 190 times in one school year. So for those of you <laughs> keeping score at home, there's only 180 days in the school year. Um, but the first thing he said to me at orientation was, you should know I have an anger management problem. And I looked at him and I said, oh, aren't you glad I don't believe that? Because I didn't. People who have anger management problems, usually it just means they've been getting what they want through anger over an extended period of time. Right? They've been getting what they want. So what we do is the same thing for, it's not a disorder, by the way. We're just going to do what we do with all negative behaviors. And we just don't let the kid get what they want with the negative behavior, including we're not going to give an, an angry, emotional adult, right? So it's going to involve, and you're talking about a, 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 a young child, particularly with a, a single parent, is to do the easiest and simplest and most effective thing, which is to what I... Uh, mentioned earlier, if a kid throws a temper tantrum, we uh-oh ourselves. We uh-oh ourselves. So a kid throws themselves on the ground and they're screaming and spitting and crying and kicking. And you just look at the kid and you look at them and say, uh-oh, and walk away. Because the kid is trying to get attention from you. They're trying to get emotion from you. If you don't give them either of those things, they eventually will stop. Now, the, yeah, but what if for that is, what if they follow you into the next room? Yeah. Well, then you uh-oh the kid. You pick them up, uh-oh, uh-oh, put them in their room and say, come back as soon as you're ready to be pleasant. We want you to be with us, or I want you to be with me. Right? There's no rejection. There's no anger. But you're just saying, this isn't going to work, Right. You're saying it with your actions because kids don't listen to what we say. So saying this isn't going to work inherently is showing that it does in fact work. And it just did because you reacted and gave them attention that you didn't have to give them to give them attention that you didn't have to give them. Hmm. I like it. So what if this happens because this is 2017, you're at a grocery store, right? You do that. <laughs> There's going to be 18 people with cameras. And yelling at you because you're abusing your child. No, oh, well, let them. What do you say? Yeah, man, I obviously let them. But what do yeah. you? What do you? What do you say to them? Nothing. I mean, do you say anything? Do you? Hey, how you guys some, doing? Because some may come it's up special and, on know, on squash. I mean, some may four. come up and you know help the kid or you know. Put, please, please leave my child alone. Thank <laughs> you. Do not touch my kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and in a well, it, when there is a temper tantrum in a public place, it's really important. Let's say the grocery store. Okay. So if the child, you can still uh-oh your kid in the grocery store. And I've done it in the grocery store. I've done it in, in restaurants. I don't have to do it anymore because she's trained. Uh, but literally, I will. I have said to my kid at two years old, feel free to stay in the cart and stay with me as long as you can be pleasant. She does it again. And I simply say, uh-oh, uh-oh, take her off. And I put her by the frozen peas. <laughs> Right, and, and there's and a little, how far do you walk away though? Because you just leave a two year old right. alone by the frozen piece. Right, right. You you do leave her alone, but you are able to see her. Yep. You don't look like you're looking at her, but you know where she is. It's a little bit of kid chicken. She's gonna end up coming back to you. 
if she doesn't, now most kids will come back and say, okay, I can be good. I don't want to do that again. Most kids. And then when they come back, by the way, there's no lectures, there's no warnings, there's no threats, there's nothing. They're just, Hey, how you doing? All right, here we go. If they don't come back or if they just start screaming and yelling, you owe them again, but you just simply say, uh Oh, and uh Oh, them all the way to the car, put them in the car, Put them gently but firmly into their seats. They're not going to be happy about it. Put them in, uh, fasten them in, and then get out, leave the car, lock the car, and stand outside of the car while you're looking at your phone. What you just said to your kid is, I set the limit one single time, and then I follow through with action. I love you. I'm smarter than you, and I'm in charge. And they learn that by your actions, not by your words. Because again, seemingly ironically, if you were to tell them all those things, but while yelling that at them, while every, everyone looks on in the, in the grocery store, you're telling them the opposite of what you're saying. So I can follow through with loving action and make sure that kid is going to understand that. And as soon as that kid calms down and you can say, as, you, as you're leaving the car, I'd be happy to get you back out as soon as you're calm. Now, if the kid never, if the kid calms down, bring him back in. If he never calms down, go home. Call the manager of the grocery store on your way home. Say, hey, uh, I was the guy who had the uh, kid who was freaking out. Do you mind putting my, uh, putting my groceries uh, away or uh, put the cold stuff back? Whatever's convenient for you. And I'll, I'll come back and, and uh, go shopping alone uh, sometime soon. And then, so then you're able to be, the kid understands I can be with the world as long as I can be pleasant. That's the most important thing you can teach a kid. Hmm. like it. Now, uh, for parents, if you don't want to go grocery shopping, it's great these days. Now you can just order your groceries online that's and true. go pick them up. That's, that's true. true. It's something you deliver to you nowadays. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's right. That's true. Um, well, you, uh, you answered my last question about tantrums. Right. Um, I do want to ask you, uh, and we'll, I, we'll wrap it up here unless Mark had any questions. No, I just, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, with, with the, the, everybody's got a camera these days. Everybody's got an opinion these days. Everybody's very concerned about, you know, sticking their nose in other people's businesses a <laughs> <Right>. lot. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of, I want to make sure that our listeners understand that you're, you're, you're going to pick up some flack. Absolutely. I mean, you, yeah. you are setting yourself up for flack. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you don't buy into the nonsense garbage mentality of what parenting is supposed to be, you're in the counterculture. You're a counterculture parent. And that's what I hope. That's why I do this is to be a counterculture parent, to get people to understand that holding your kids accountable is not wrong. If your kid gets upset about something, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It probably means you did something right. Just because your kid gets upset doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It may mean that you're a good parent. Right. So we're able to be calm, take care of ourselves, make the child. We're going to maintain the dignity of ourselves and our kid. But also the kids problems are the kids problems. And sometimes when kids have problems, they get upset. That's how they learn. So absolutely. We're in this. We just are living through this silly age of ridiculous parenting uh, that is the has become the norm. And we've just got to fight against it. I love it. Uh, and one of the ways you can fight against it, if you're on Facebook, um, you guided me to a Facebook group called Love and Logic Parents Unite. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great supportive place. I'm, that's a great way to, uh, great transition too, because if you're going to be a counterculture parent, you really, really need to have support. 
And I hope that, you know, my Facebook page, uh, my website, irvineducationalconsulting.com and uh, the Love and Logic Parents Unite. And I'm actually a uh, one of the uh, moderators. I don't get on there as oh, much nice. as I, I, I should, but I'm one of the moderators on that group. And it really is a supportive group of people who are like-minded, not all in lockstep, but like-minded people who care about kids, not in a not in a, a false, nonsensical, oh, I just love kids and aren't kids always perfect type of way, uh, but in a realistic way of, I love my kid enough to set limits. And uh, that's a really great uh, place to go. So please, and it is a very big community now. And it, I mean, it's amazing. I, I, I'm one of the people who approves people in there and it's just a flood of people every single day. So that's a great place to go. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, man. Uh, and here we are. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank Mark for allowing us to record at Folio Design House in, in, in the Oregon District in Dayton, Ohio. If you guys are ever in Dayton, Ohio, if you visit, go and uh, if you need marketing design. You think creative, writing, Mark. posters, print. Yeah. Wraps. Everything. Everything. So you could wrap people's cars. and. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Wraps are cool. Scott, uh, oh, Mark, where where are you on uh, social media? Uh, social media is uh, M. DeGrosso, Mark DeGrosso, DeGrosso, all over the place, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page. Nice. Just, uh, you know, it's all it's all going to be good, positive stuff if you actually are on my page. I don't uh, put anything negative. There's enough of that out there. <laughs> so right. we're going to be uh, uh, sharing uh, the Kid Whisper uh, podcast real soon. This is our second one uh, in the can, basically. So, uh we're going to get uh, maybe uh, we'll start releasing them once a month, and it's going to be fantastic. That sounds good. And if you guys want to um, follow what we do at Gym City Podcast, go to gymcitypodcast.com. You can follow us on social media at Gym City Podcast. And I'm one of the hosts and producers of the content here at Gym City Podcast. You can follow me at The Izzy Rock. And I do my own podcast outside of uh, Gym City Podcast, Gym City Podcast called Tales from the Hard Side. It's about my story. It's an audio blog of my life growing up in, in Dayton and being a father. My sons are on there, so you'll get a glimpse of uh, my own life. Um, so, yeah, follow me at uh, The Izzy Rock and check out Tales from the Hard Side. And Scott, where can they find you and uh, all the places uh, that you want them to go to? They can go to IrvinEducationalConsulting.com. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Ask the Kid Whisper, Instagram, Scott Irvin Kids, Twitter at Scott Irvin Kids. It'd be great to have you guys. Uh, we're almost right at 5,000. We're right at 5,000 likes on Facebook. Want to just get over 5,000 by, by the end of the month. That's our goal. Oh, so nice. please help. Please help. <laughs> just click that button. Please. Just click the thumb. I, I'm nothing without you. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, um, this podcast will be on its own feed. So if you're listening to it on its own feed, go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends and family about it. Share it. And uh, that's, that's the best way to, that this content can grow and you can help other parents learn how to be parents, how to, be lo how to give love and logic in, in their and lives. Not, and not go crazy. Not go crazy. Good. And then if you listen to this, feel free to, to interact with us. Yes. Send us questions. So everybody, you know, whatever. If you've got a specific, you know, my kid is doing this, you know, just ask us. Right. We'll, we'll for, bring it up. And for teachers too, you know, teachers out there are suffering because they're being asked to do things that don't work, and they know it. 
<laughs> they know it. They're being told by so-called experts to do things that they know as professionals do not work. And so they're frustrated. I can help you. I can give you stuff that actually works from someone who's had a lot of success with very difficult kids over an extended period of time. I love it. And the and the coffee and massage is still off, <laughs> gone, right? It's still. It's not going to. Ha- it's not going to happen. Up. It's. I, I don't know. If you like me on Facebook, maybe we could uh, figure out some type of massage uh, coffee situation for that's you. A, that's I can't rough, promise. That's it. a wrong kind of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any last words? Class dismissed. Mm-hmm.